Holy Gospel according to St. John, the third chapter. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you the heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Just as we are compelled by the Christian truth to acknowledge each distinct person is God and Lord, so also are we prohibited by the Catholic religion to say that there are three gods or lords. Now, show of hands, I want to know how many of you have ever dropped that in casual conversation. You're having coffee with a friend, lunch, catching up, and it's kind of a lull in the conversation. You've talked about all the other stuff you talk about, and you're like, well, I, I think I'm just going to start talking about the Athanasian Creed. That's what we'll fill this up with. I'm guessing not many of you, I'm guessing none of you. I know a lot of pastors and I don't know anybody who's ever done that. But I'll tell you this, the creed for kind of, this creed in particular, the Athanasian Creed, for as long and, let's be honest, kind of boring it is, it is an important thing. It's a really important thing. We all know the adage that in polite company, at social gatherings, there's two things you never talk about if you want it to go well, politics and religion. Don't talk about politics or religion because pretty quickly everybody's going to jump into their trench World War I style and you're going to leave the gathering and somebody is not going to be happy when they leave. Or at the very least, mom's going to be upset that you brought it up to begin with. I know whereof I speak. <laughs> we have to avoid fights. We have to avoid lightning rod topics because you want to keep things smooth. And uh, coming back to Illinois and living in Watsika, I've been reminded, I think small town and small community people are really good at this, a lot better than uh, suburban or city folks, because we all know, I'm going to see this person again. I'm going to see this neighbor across, you know, somewhere else in town, I'm going to bump into him at Walmart or some social event that we're both at or church, so i got to be really good about not going to those controversial, divisive topics. i got to make sure that I'm not pouring salt into a wound and things like that. Okay, we all know that certainly there is a time for everything, right? 
How many of you have ever gone to Burkhotts and when the person says, What's your Bur- do you have a Burkhotts loyalty number? And you respond with, there are not three eternals, but one eternal. <laughs> we get that. And if you've ever done that, tell me how it goes. I'd be very surprised if it went well. They just want your phone number. We know that there's times and places not to do it, right? But it doesn't mean, though, on the other side, that we should never do it. That's what I want to talk about a little bit today. Just because we know and polite circumstances, you don't just jump immediately into the things of God to have as a discussion for various social reasons, but just because that's true doesn't mean we should make the other error and never talk about the things of God. Being right, being correct about religion is essential, isn't it? To know who God is and what he has done is paramount. Okay, you can be wrong about a lot of things in the world, it's not going to matter. If you say, I think it's going to rain later today, and it doesn't rain, you were wrong. People are wrong about that all the time. Who cares? If you say you're confident that next year is going to be a great year for Illinois basketball, and it doesn't turn out to be that way, who cares? People aren't just going to go to you for your takes on sports as much anymore. And don't even get me started on gas prices. I just wrote down gas price, but I don't have to elaborate. You all know about that. You can be wrong about so many things in life, and it just doesn't matter. It doesn't really change anything. And at worst, maybe it changed someone's opinion of you and your opinion about various things a little bit, but who cares about that? But if you deny the person and the work of Jesus Christ, if you deny the Godhead that he is a part of, if you get that wrong, willfully or ignorantly, well, that's a very big deal. It's a big deal as we confess in the creed. Whoever does not believe it faithfully and firmly, the creed tells us, cannot be saved. So very clear. All of us here know how to divide things in life. We know when something in life needs to be treated seriously, and we know how to act accordingly, right? The example I thought of was, I know where to keep the sharp sharp knives in the kitchen. Allison and I know But that's not something to keep in one of the lower cabinet drawers that can just be opened. And the reasons are obvious. Those kids find everything, and they would certainly get themselves into some trouble and probably hurt if they found those knives. We also know, as I'm well aware of planning for this youth gathering trip, you've got to make sure when you fly you have all of your ducks in a row. You've got to spell the names right on the tickets, and you've got to make sure the day of you go there with ticket in hand and with your ID in hand. And I guess in a couple years, you've got to make sure it's a real ID, whatever that thing is. Because otherwise, all the money you spent on that trip, all the planning is going down the tubes because you are not getting on that airplane. Those are serious things in life we know we've got to take some time, make sure we plan, and make sure we execute it the right way. There are consequences for getting stuff like that wrong. How much more so for getting God wrong? How much more so are the consequences for not confessing, not understanding, not believing in who God is and what he has done as he has revealed himself to be? The consequences for getting that wrong are indeed eternal. So for that reason, the Christian church in our 2,000 years of existence has always taken doctrine, teaching, very seriously. We've made sure to confess it, to say this is what it is. And we've made sure to refute things which contradict it. Things which are not correct, true, biblical doctrine. The question is, is God whoever we want to make of him, however we want to define him? Or is God someone very particular, 
very certain and has revealed himself in a certain and particular way. Our Christian faith built on the Holy Scriptures on the Bible comes very, it's come down very hard and fast on that second thing. God is not something that we can each decide who he is in our own minds or even in the modern sense choose his pronouns or choose not to use the pronouns he has used for himself in the Bible. We can't do that, but we must take what is in the Bible and say, this is who God is. This is who he has revealed himself to be. And that Bible, as we point out and celebrate today, is so very clear. God is triune. He is a holy trinity. One God, three distinct persons. That Athanasian Creed is so repetitive, and you feel like, I think we just covered this two sentences ago, but it's trying to be very precise so we understand that mystical mystery that we can't really get our minds around, but we believe it's true, one God and three persons, and that everything contrary to that is not true. In that creed, we confess that all members of the Godhead, all members of this Holy Trinity are equal in majesty, power, and glory. And we wrap it up as we do with the other two creeds that we confess on Sunday mornings, talking about Jesus Christ and what he has done for our salvation, that one, to be saved, must hold on to that Christ. The Bible is very clear. There is only one God, the Trinity, and salvation is only through that God. Now, creeds are what safeguards that for us. They are like the barriers that keep us on the road, reminding us that inside of the barriers we are safe and going the right direction. Outside of the barriers, there is danger for us. Now, another show of hands question. Raise your hand if you've honestly, in all of your years of being a Christian, have never had your mind wander while saying one of the creeds in church. <laughs> Big laugh with that one. My hand's not up. And this is my job, okay? It's true. Even the Apostles' Creed is kind of like, okay, 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 and then you're done. And sometimes you feel like, well, I just said it because I know the words, but I wasn't really thinking too much about it. Kind of think of them as maybe... Uh, a big step to get over for people that aren't Lutherans or familiar with the Lutheran service and other denominations of course have this too that boy people come to our church and we want to be welcoming and then we make them talk about this creed where creator of all things seen and unseen and so on and so forth it's a lot they're wordy they've got a lot of information and they're not maybe great to bring up in the Burkhart's line or at a birthday party of a friend but the thing I want you to remember and hold on to is that Wordy, boring, whatever you want to call them as they are, they are so very, very important. They are a magnificent gift that God has given to his church and the church has given to us. To remind us of who we are in Jesus Christ and who God is and what he has done for us. We have our baptismal faith that we believe and that we hold on to. This is fleshing out what it is. It is the footnote at the bottom of the page explaining what is meant by all of these things that we speak of as this holy Christian faith. And these creeds are a gift in that they keep us always oriented on the true north of where we ought to be pointed, where we ought to be headed, keeping us with blinders on for a good reason, away from the things of this world which lead us to other gods or other ideas of salvation and existence. And if we follow these creeds in their faith and believe them faithfully in our heart, mysterious as they are, we know that one day we will indeed arrive at our heavenly home. To the same Jesus Christ, whom they confess with the Father and the Holy Spirit, be all glory now and forever. Amen.